You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I am Rev Yearwood, President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus, and with me is Antonique Smith and Mustafa Santiago Ali. And man, we are about to have an amazing show. But in the meantime, let me just first thank our team and our folks at WPFW for hosting us in the studio. And a big thank you for all of our listeners who tune in and help support Think 100%. Man, we love you all. And so right now, I want to make sure that everyone check out our new website at think100.info. The site features some of our favorite videos from 2018, and you can learn more about Think 100 and the Think 100% host and get our official Think 100% swag and more. But please be sure to subscribe and rate our Think 100% podcast. And you can go to Think 100% iTunes podcast and keep up with us at Think 100 Show on both Twitter and Instagram. And so as we get ready to get started, let me just actually say this. One of the things that we're going to be discussing on today's show that we're going to have a couple of champions with us in the studio. So we need for everyone to stay with us. Today we have from literally from the Justice First campaign, Reverend Woodbury, as well as we have from the U.S. House of Representatives, my dear brother, Congressman McEachin. And so please stay tuned with us as we get ready to have that conversation. So as we work out some of these things, some of the kinks right now in the studio, let me actually just kind of go right into some of the things that we're going to be talking about. One of the things that we're going to be discussing today is in regards to the Environmental Protection Agency's confirmation hearing that is taking place tomorrow. It's important for us to have this conversation today because we'll be discussing Andrew Wheeler. Now, just for you to know, Andrew Wheeler is a former fossil fuel energy lobbyist. And this is very important because he has put profits over the health of our people in this process. And so we want to definitely be in a position to have this conversation. He took over last summer when Scott Pruitt was booted. Shout out to Kristen Mink and others in this process so we can begin because you remember my dear sister with baby in tow definitely was in a position to do that. And so we want to make sure and have that conversation in regards to that. So one of the things here that I want to do, actually, as we work out some of these things is actually, as we figure out with Antonique Smith, we're going to go with Antonique, one of her songs, Here Comes the Sun. It's not the end, but uh, we want to make sure Actually, from what I understand, I think we got Antonique on the line. Antonique, can you hear me? Hey, Rev, can you hear me? I can hear you, Antonique. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so, Antonique, we are working out some of the kinks here in the studio. I think that folks knew we were going to have this conversation in regards to mm-hmm. the Wheeler confirmation. And trying so, and <laughs> they, they are trying, mm-hmm. to, trying to stop us from having mm-hmm. this conversation. So, you know, we are making it happen. So they literally have kind of moved me around to the other side of the studio, Antonique. So Um, let me actually just go right into it. So first, tell the folks who you are. Well, I am Antonique Smith, Grammy-nominated singer, actress, and activist, a.k.a. your favorite artist. So, Antonique, I know that normally in this process, we go right into the movement segment of our conversation. And I know later on we will be joined 
by Dominique Browning, co-founder and senior director of Mom Cleans Air Force and others. And so, you know, one of the things there, Anthony, can you give us a little bit of the background in that process for the in the movement part? Yes, sir. Well, we have uh, some serious business to talk about. Trump's nominee to lead the Environmental Protection Agency is in the U.S. Senate for a confirmation hearing tomorrow. His name is Andrew Wheeler, and just get this. He's a former fossil fuel energy lobbyist, okay, that puts profit over the health of people. So of all people to be having a confirmation hearing tomorrow for the EPA, this guy should definitely be one of the last people on Earth that should even be in the running. He took over last summer when Scott Pruitt, remember him, when he got booted because of all the corruption investigations that had piled up. But honestly, since Pruitt left, nothing much has changed at the EPA. It's still bad business as usual. Wheeler is still taking drastic steps to get rid of some of our most basic health and environmental protections. Ridiculous. He's not recusing himself from working with his former client. Mm. <laughs> right, exactly. In fact, he's been meeting with them, and he's pulling any agency lever he can to help them out. Not help us out, not help the environment out, not help the people out, but to help his former clients in the fossil fuel industry. So here's the deal on the, the confirmation process for Andrew Wheeler. President Trump officially nominated him in early in January. Okay. Uh-huh. And the Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works will begin Wheeler's confirmation hearing tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern, Wednesday, January 16th. So y'all, y'all be sure to follow us at Think 100 Show as we live tweet hashtag Stop Wheeler. Say that one time for the so folks, Anthony. Y'all gonna follow us at Think 100 Show on Twitter at Think 100 100 Think 100 Show as we live tweet using the hashtag Stop Wheeler hashtag Stop Wheeler during the hearing tomorrow. So y'all make sure y'all get on Twitter with us and, and, and do that as we follow along once they vote. He'll then go to the president for final approval, which we already know. And it looks like Wheeler has the votes to go through, which is bad news for the health of our kids, our communities, and the planet, y'all. So what we need to do now is stay focused on the fact that Mr. Wheeler has not lived up to the basic, the basic bare bones minimum mission of the EPA, which is protecting human health and the environment. I mean, that is their basic mission. And this guy is doing the complete opposite. And, you know, if you can't do that, if you can't do those basic things, just caring about protecting human health and the environment, I'm not sure how you could possibly be qualified to hold the position of the EPA administrator. I know that's right. Crazy. So as far as everything that acting administrator Wheeler has touched has increased the likelihood that more people are going to get sick and more premature deaths will occur. I mean, that is the, the horrifying fact of him being confirmed. His actions also have disproportionate negative impacts for communities of color and low-income communities. Having Andrew Wheeler leading the EPA is like allowing a fox to guard a chicken coop. Mm, say it again. Say that, say, that, that. Say, that, say that one more time. <laughs> Having Andrew Wheeler leading the EPA is like allowing a fox to guard the chicken coop. Now, you know what happens when a fox guards the chicken coop. Oh, I, listen, I know. There, ain't no chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no chickens when the fox guards the chickens. And that's not what we want to have to our human beings in this country. That is the opposite of what the EPA should, should be about. And I guess this is what you get when you put a former fossil fuel lobbyist in charge of one of the premier public health and environmental agencies in the world. Mm. If people out there don't like what's happening, and we do not, we need y'all to call your elected officials on Capitol Hill and tell them what's up. Tell them we are not happy about this. Tell them they need to stop this from happening. Like, this is not cool. And remember also to join us tomorrow on social media, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, using hashtag Stop Wheeler. Back to you, Rev. Yes, indeed. Back to me. Well, Antonique, first and foremost, I got to just say that for those who are tuning in, you are tuning in to Think 100% The Coolest Show 
on climate change. And hey. we had some technical difficulties starting off the show. But Antonique, I just got to say that I know that my prayer warriors were out there praying it up, making hey. sure that the mics would work and, the, and, right. and, and everything. So with that, Antonique, guess what we have? The mics in the studio have come on. Despite that, and I don't know why Rip Wubert looking all mad though. I'm not sure why he, why he over there, but we got, we got folks in the studio. Oh man. So without that, the voice who you have not heard, the sultry brother from West Virginia, let me bring on our co-host, Mustafa Santiago Ali. Yo, Rev, what's hey. going on? Hey, Anthony. Yo, Rev, hey. Rev, we should remind people to call 202. 588-0893-202-588-0893. We want to make sure that you are part of the conversation. This is your show. So, Mustafa, since we got your mic live, please let folks know who we have today in the studio. Oh, man, we are so incredibly blessed. We're blessed every week, but we're just knocking it out the box this week. We have Congressman Donald McEachin, who is with us. I mean... I don't even know enough to say about him. He's just making it happen, making big moves on Capitol Hill. He is. Yeah. And a champion for communities, something we don't see enough of in our representatives. Some people talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. So we're blessed to have him. And also we have Reverend Leo Woodbury repping Florence, South Carolina, just doing incredible work down there on climate, (laughs) on revitalizing communities on energy-related issues, making sure that we are creating our own sets of jobs in this renewable space. So, Rev, we are blessed. Man, you know, I just realized we got three reverends on this side of the room. You know, that's why, that's probably why the mics, oh, probably why the, the mics, enemy, they, they, they knew yeah, where it was going to come from. Probably the mics, probably why the, why the mics, they was trying to hold us back. They didn't know uh-huh. that no weapon formed against us so prosper. They should have, no they should have understood what was going to come down regardless. Freak, that's why, no, nah, and this actually is real. Let me just say this because I am excited to have both Congressman Keechan and Reverend Woodbury, but the reality of this who are tuning in, we're talking about the confirmation process for the acting administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency. And why this is so important, and I say this every single week, this is not about Republican or Democrat. This is about humanity. When I was in the an officer in the Air Force, when I signed up and took my oath, I didn't take my oath to give my life, to leave my children behind for this country, for Republicans or Democrats or independents. I literally was saying that, listen, if I want to give my life for this country, it's for every single person. And so the reason why I am so passionate about us getting engaged, what's going on with having somebody who was a cold lobbyist to be in charge of clean air and clean water for our community, that is wrong. Even those in charge will say this will have premature death and will cause so much havoc regarding mercury and arsenic and so many of the pollutants that were going to air. So while this is the coolest show, I am here to make sure that we have this conversation. And so for folks, if you're tuning in, you are tuned into Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. And so Councilman Keechan and Reverend Woodbury, welcome to Think 100%. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you so much. So we're just going to dive right into it. This is some serious business. (laughs) Yes, so we got serious business going on. And let's just get to sort of the root of the matter. So can we talk a little bit about, and both of you, can you help us to have a a better understanding of some of these policies that the Trump administration has been moving forward on? Why are they dangerous for our country? Why are they dangerous for our most vulnerable communities? We'll start with you, Congressman. Well, thank you. And again, thank you for having us on the show. You know, the Trump administration has been about the business of basically trying to eradicate everything that President Obama did and even take us further back by rolling back regulations that affect our water, affect our air. And, of course, the reason that we're so concerned about that is because we like to drink and breathe. But as it impacts our communities, Mm -hmm. um, our communities who are least able to afford to uh, deal with that situation, that's why our asthma rates are so high. You know, that's why we've seen lead in the water in some of our, not just up in uh, Detroit or Flint, Michigan, but, you know, in many many areas, Mm -hmm. in our schools and things like that. So, you know, we need to push back. We need to win some elections and get rid of this Trump administration and their anti-environmental policies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Reverend Woodbury. Well, you know, you, you are absolutely right, Reverend Yearwood. When, when Antonique was speaking, I was just disgusted. You know, 
this what, whole what, confirmation at, at, at Antonique? No, no. With that, <laughs> okay, I was going to say, that's a new one. I, 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 no, I was getting ready to say the confirmation of Andrew Wheeler. That's right. Is yes, just yes, disgusting. yes, 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 yes. You know, it, we're, we're talking about putting profits over people. That's right. We're talking about putting corporations over uh, the health of communities. And I was just sitting here and I was thinking to myself, if this is going to be the process, we need to change the name from the Environmental Protection Agency to EPU, mm. Enriching Polluters Unashamedly. Oh, EPU, wow. okay. Yeah, wow. it's because it stinks. What's going on stinks to high heaven. I know that it impacts all Americans, but we know that the greatest impacts happen to environmental justice communities who are you know, predominantly people of color in so many places. And I look at this and it just seems to be just the same racism that we see with immigration and so many other policies from this administration, because they literally know that it means that more people of color are going to be sick. More people of color are going to be dying. And it's disgusting. Mm. Mm. Anthony. Oh, hey, Congressman and Reverend Woodbury. How y'all doing? Hey, I'm so how glad are you? to have you on the show. Uh, I'm good. I'm good, especially now that we're all good and everything, you know, with the mics and everything. Um, I'm really curious, you guys, to know how someone with such a record of working for polluters can even be considered mm. to be in charge of the agency that is supposed to protect public health and the environment. I'm like stunned. I'm speechless. It, it makes zero sense to me. Please help us explain how does this, how does this happen? How is this even possible well the, the way this happens is and I, I hate to sound like a broken record but this is what happens when you lose elections when you don't turn mm -hmm. out when you allow those who are working against our interests to win an election this is what happens and so our people have to be always on the alert we have to always turn out and make sure that our interests are protected and represented by our vote that's why you know i don't want to go off too far off script in terms of the environment but that's why voter suppression is such an important issue. Mm. That's that old script. Because we need to make sure that our people right. have an opportunity to get to the polls and cast their vote. You know, what we saw right. in North Carolina was nothing but disgusting in terms of people taking old folks' absentee ballots and either, either throwing them out or casting the vote in the wrong direction. So Crazy. it's all about the vote. It's all about making sure we turn out. If we can turn out like we did in this last election cycle again in 2020, we can fix a whole lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So... You want you answer that as well? Yeah, I, I was going to say it's it's about elections and what goes on also. You know, what's going to happen with the census, mm -hmm. you know, because if we don't do it right, if we don't keep our eye on the ball, we'll have even more devastation when it comes to turning people out to vote and putting policymakers in place like, like a Congressman McEachin, who has a heart for the people, who understands the issues and un understands that we can no longer afford to conduct business as usual in America and on this planet. So, so let's take a step back on that because I have, I have a couple of questions on that. So Congressman McEachin, I, I have a question because what you're saying is, Elections have consequences. Absolutely. And we under, and I think we understand that we're saying that they can have deadly consequences. That folks, if you put the wrong people in positions of power, that literally the policy that they put in place can have an impact on your life or the life of your children or your community. And we're bearing witness to that right now. Got it. Mm -hmm. This show, The Coolest Show on Climate has a very large audience of young people who tune in, particularly a new whole group of climate activists are tuning in. And sometimes when they hear that, sometimes they're like, man, what do you mean when I say that? What do you mean when you say that the election? Because sometimes we put folks in positions like they did and folks talking about from, you know, and say, you know, the Green New Deal or other aspects. And we say, you know, let's move on from fossil fuels. But even folks we put in positions of power still do the things that are wrong and they get discouraged. What would you say to those young folks who say, man, we put in some folks in office and then they don't do anything either. So how do we play this when people look the same almost? And particularly when they're coming down to this confirmation hearing with, with Andrew Wheeler and they're saying that isn't it just plain and simple that this person is wrong? How are we even putting folks, no matter what your party may be in power, how are we even at this point where an Andrew Wheeler a former cold lobbyist is going to be running the Environmental Protection Agency. Well, what I would say to our, our young brothers and sisters who have tuned in 
is that, and, and look, there's nothing easy about democracy. There's nothing easy about politics. It is a contact sport. And the challenge is, is that they have to maintain contact with their elected officials. They have to be willing to hold them accountable. I am so proud of the young people who came in and gave us a lot of energy in terms of the environmental movement, gave us a sense of urgency. Now it's up to some of us with a little bit more gray hair to put some meat on the bones and come up with policies that, that meet their expectations. But they need to continue to hold us accountable and hold the other side accountable. Whether, whether or not they are in a district where the member believes in what they believe in or not, they need to show up, knock on the door and say, this is what I believe, and you need to talk to me about it and you need to act on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, Congressman, unfortunately, it looks like Andrew Wheeler might, and I say might, have the votes that are necessary from the Senate to become EPA's administrator. However, we now have a House and Energy Committee that you, thankfully, are now a part of. How will this 116th committee actually hold people like Andrew Wheeler accountable for the dangerous actions that they've been moving forward on? Well, you know, each committee in the uh, Congress has an oversight committee, and uh, ours on, on Energy and Commerce is uh, chaired by Diane DeJet, who is a wonderful woman and is ready to take on Wheeler, as well as the rest of the Trump administration on their sloppiness in handling the environment. And so you can look forward to hearing and seeing oversight hearings that bring out the, the reality of what's happening. And as we expose the cockroaches, so to speak, they're going to start to, to run in different directions, but at least the people will be able to see them. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you going to have some decon and some raid for him? Is that what you say? I know. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got the decon and raid lined up for 2020. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Reverend Woodbury, the chime in here. Then how do we also then go from the suites to the streets in that aspect? And why is it important kind of following what the Congressman is saying is it important for the movement to hold the officials accountable? Well, we need to realize, especially young people, that democracy is a living entity. And I don't think we should even think about what we want to restore, but rather not. Rather, we need to create a better democracy. When we look at the history of this country, there was a time when you could not vote whether you were white or black if you didn't own property. If you were a woman, you could not vote. We see what happened with the civil rights era, the marriage equality movement, all of these things. Democracy is a living entity. And in order to grow democracy and to make it better, it means that you have to have new voices who have new visions. And so Uh, so it's not about restoring what we had before Trump. It's about moving beyond Trump moving beyond what we had so that we actually can talk about having things as as the climate impacts get worse and we have more storms and we have more droughts and the resources that we have like water become less. We have to start to think about things like needing an environmental bill of rights that may be uh, in our constitution or part of our, our state constitution. But we need a bigger a better, a new vision of, of democracy in this country. And young people are, are the people who need to make that happen because they are the ones who are going to have to suffer the greater impacts of climate change. So go to the streets, go to the polls, find new people that we need to put in office who have a greater vision, but also realize that we all stand on the shoulders of people who came before us and that you need the wisdom of the elders like Congressman McEachin and others who can teach you how to navigate that system and build a bold, brave new world. I like that. I mean, I like that a lot. And I like how Cousin McEachin, you know, down there, I think he went to, uh, uh, what's the did you go to? The Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union University. Boy, he <laughs> said that like he went to Howard no, University. No, he said that he was he only the that finest like he seminary was, in like America. He was, like he was waiting for that conversation. <laughs> he, said, he said, "Come on, Red, don't start nothing. Won't be nothing up in here." Right, he, I, I like that. That was he came, that came from like South Richmond conversation. <laughs> you know, like as though, come on now. His chest went out. It went out. It went out. He was like, "Let me make sure y'all know." 
what time it is. <laughs> and listen, and knowing, knowing when you go inspired, when you, when you hit a tone, as my mom used to tell me, you hear that tone and you just know, okay, you are right on that. Let me just go ahead and get to this next person <laughs> online here. No, we actually, we got a, we got a special guest calling coming in. We got Dominique Browning, who was the co-founder and scene director of one of our good organizations here, Moms Clean Air Force. And she's calling in, but as she's calling, I actually just want to just quote a little bit from the article that she wrote in the New York Times. It was an article she put out a couple of days ago. And if you, you should definitely find the whole article. It was this coal lobbyist should not run the EPA. And the first part of her article really goes and she tells a personal story that kind of goes into when she was pregnant with her first child. And I've seen Dominique and I don't, she, it's since her first child 35 years ago. And I, and I was, and I was like, man, I was, I mean, she must have got the good water. She was fighting, she was trying to keep right. away from the bad water, but she must have got the good water. And the founder, you, yeah. Okay, you made my day. There Thank it you. is. <laughs> hey, Dominique, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really uh, good now. Well, welcome to the coolest show on climate change. I'm actually just going to read a little bit of, of your article. One of the things in your article talks about how when you had your first child and your doctor in Texas told you about stop eating tuna and swordfish because they were mercury. contaminated with mercury. Mm-hmm. And and then you began to look into that more, and then you yourself were a survivor of cancer. But I wanted to read this part here. You said the Environmental Protection Agency spent more than 20 years, quote, this is from our article, the quote, the Environmental Protection Agency spent more than 20 years working on standards that would require power plants to filter mercury from their emissions. The power industry repeatedly sued the agency to block restrictions. But finally, finally, in 2011, the EPA finalized a rule, the mercury and air toxic standards that impose limits on mercury emissions. The standards have been a resounding success, a testament to a government agency doing its job to keep us safe. Then you fast forward to a part here and you go down a couple of paragraphs. So who would want to unravel such an important health protection? The very man President Trump nominated last Wednesday to succeed Scott Pruitt as the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, Andrew Wheeler. Mr. Wheeler, currently the acting administrator, has served as the deputy administrator under Scott Pruitt, who resigned in July, facing more than a dozen investigations into his spending and management practices. The Senate will be voting on him on Wednesday, you put forth. And then in other words, you put forth at the very end of your article and your closing statement, you said that Andrew Wheeler, quote, Andrew Wheeler has demonstrated over and over again why he should not be entrusted with protecting us from harm. If his failure to do one single thing to address the global warming catastrophe isn't bad enough to stop this nomination, perhaps his decision to upend the Mercury Rule, which could threaten the brains of tiny babies, will wake up senators. No one, no one voted to make America dirty again. Mm-hmm. And so that is Dominique Browning. So Dominique, thanks for calling in to Think One Percent. We are huge fans of this. Clearly, this NY, this New York Times op-ed that speaks to Andrew Wheeler's attacks on children's health. But can you talk a bit about your concerns and how you are organizing to stop his nomination? Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. First of all, um, I'm a huge fan. And this article, this op-ed, which I was delighted that the New York Times published because it showed that they understood how important this nomination is. You know, people are in danger in Washington, D.C. of kind of falling asleep. We're numb. We're getting numb because every single week there's yet another travesty visited on us by the EPA. This nomination is extremely dangerous. Andrew Wheeler really, by trying to undo this mercury law, regulation, he really is showing that it's gloves off. Nothing is sacred. And the mercury rule in particular is like a third rail for mom's clean air force because this is affecting tiny brains. There is only mercury loves fat. Mercury goes to fat. You eat mercury 
And when you are pregnant, it goes into your bloodstream and into the placenta and into the only place on a baby where there is fat, and that is the brain. Mm. Wow. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. So this mercury is a really unusual poison. You can't pick a worse thing to decide that you want to loosen up the rules on. And that's what Andrea Wheeler has done. So this op-ed kicks off several days of uh, Moms Clean Air Force coming in to meet with senators and wake people up and say, you've really got to fight this nomination. This is a really radical agenda. It's a toxic agenda. And of course, the people who are disproportionately affected are the people who are living around power plants. Well, Dominic, this is Mustafa. I know that Mom's Clean Air Force is going to be thick tomorrow up at the Senate confirmation. Uh, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of folks who are showing up. Can you share with folks how they can get engaged and be a part of this movement? I will. And Mustafa, I loved what you said about how the Environmental Protection Agency has not been given a new mission to create new sacrifice zones. So the way people can be involved is to simply use your voice. We have a lot of power, but only if we use that power. So pick up the phone, call your senator's office, call the regional office where you live. Let them know that this is an outrageous nomination. If you don't feel like picking up the phone, send a letter, send a postcard, as if you were writing to your own mom. Dear Senator so-and-so, you must protect our children. We must protect the core mission of the Environmental Protection Agency, which is to protect people and not polluters. You would be amazed at how much of a difference it makes to raise your voice, but we have to raise our voices. We have to say this is not normal. Well, Dominique, uh, you know, tomorrow the Hip Hop Caucus will be there. They'll be supporting you along with a number of other organizations. So we just want to thank you, one, for the work that you continue to do for your organization's incredible work as well. And we know that together we will actually be able to win on environmental justice and on climate change. Definitely. Thank you, Dominique. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Councilman Keechan, how do you feel about what Dominique is talking about there? Oh, I think she's right on point, especially when it comes to engaging your legislator, in this case, your senators, on the outrageousness of the appointment. You know, one of the reasons that we didn't lose Obamacare completely is because people stood up and said no. Mm. And what I would suggest is, is that people do the same thing with the Wheeler nomination. If enough people get together and say no, the Senate's going to take notice. You know, the Senate's got a, the, the Republican Senate's got a really rough roadmap in 2020. They've got a lot of seats to defend. Democrats don't have so many seats to defend. And so holding their feet to the fire, holding them accountable and holding them uh, responsible for this nomination is, is right on point. So, Cousin, on that, I actually want to, because that's a very good point you bring there, because one of the things that came up, again, with young folks listening to this show, you're tuning in to, I think, 100%, the coolest show on climate change. And one of the things that has come up has been regarding the fossil fuel money pledge. And so I know our listeners are curious to hear how you feel about the no fossil fuel money pledge. And members who do take fossil fuel money be allowed on certain committees that focus on the environment and climate issues? Let's talk about that for a minute, because presumably the reason why some uh, there's some upset about folks taking fossil fuel money is because presumably they are overly influenced by that money. So does that mean that when I take money from labor, I'm overly influenced by labor? Does that mean when I take money from the environmental community, I'm overly influenced by the environmental community? I would suggest not. I have taken fossil fuel money in the past, and I am a 100% on legal conservation voter, 100% Sierra Club. The proof is in the pudding. It's in the heart. How are you voting? That's what we should be concerned about, not where the money's coming from, but how are you voting? Because, you know what, someone who doesn't take any fossil fuel money and votes wrong is hurting us just as bad as someone who takes fossil fuel money and votes wrong. So that's my position on it. So let me just do a follow-up to that. I think, I mean, I understand that position. I definitely do. I think that many people are saying, though, that certain folks are giving money with the intention of guiding how people direct their policies. What you're saying, I understand totally, is that if it doesn't affect you, then that doesn't happen. But we are seeing this, particularly with those from March for Our Lives, with the with the gun industry, and within the fossil fuel industry, that they are, and, and you're right, it even could be on the other side too as well. I, I hear you on that, that how do we gauge that? But it does seem though that on issues when you're making decisions, 
Shouldn't that be more of a record, though, to show how much money you are getting from these types of agencies, if it's fossil fuel or whoever it may be, so that people can know? Because if you're constantly voting against something, but you're getting in money, that has a huge... In other words, these are the reasons why people don't like the politics, because they feel it's a politics where people are just getting money for certain personal interests and going from there. No, I understand. I understand the concern. And that's why we have websites like Open Secrets, where you can go and look to see where someone's money's coming from and, and how. And then you can compare that to how they're voting. You can make the decision whether they're in the pocket of someone or not. Again, I uh, I have told lobbyists this even, even to much to the chagrin of my uh, some of the people on my staff. I tell them that I come from the LBJ school of fundraising. I can take money from you in the morning and vote against you in the evening if that's the right thing to do. No, I hear. I, I have he heard. Got, he got old school on you. <laughs> you got, yeah, I like that. <laughs> oh, on, on that note, Antonique, I know you had a question. <laughs> on that note, I do. That was funny. Um, let's take a moment and dive a little deeper into the leadership on Capitol Hill. How important is it to have members of color on these committees and who have who have community and environmental experience? Without question, it's important. I am so proud of the work that the CBC did in this last 116th Congress committee selection. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there were eight new seats on energy and commerce. Four of them went to African Americans. And so I think it's, you know, now we have out of the 31 members of the committee, we now have seven African Americans. Mm -hmm. It is critically important that people of color, and that's just African Americans, we've got Hispanics as well. So it's critically important that people of color who have a different lens, who have a different view, who come from Mm -hmm. different communities, have the opportunity to articulate those concerns and merge them into, you know, the mosaic of, of, of laws that we're, that we'll be passing so that we can form a more perfect union. Mustafa? So, Reverend Woodbury, let's switch gears. And let's talk about real solutions, something that grassroots communities know a lot about. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Dr. King's 90th birthday, and we're blessed that you and Congressman McEachin launched there on Capitol Hill today and also at the National Press Club, the Justice First campaign. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and, and how that's going to help us win on climate? Sure. So, you know, last year from April 12th to August 25th, uh, we got together with uh, groups in the South who do the work daily on the ground. And we went to 12 southern states and 25 cities in a short period of time and connected with over 300 organizations to build solidarity across various issue areas, lifting up the fact that if we all strive to attain justice, Mm -hmm. then we win. If we put justice first, then we win. And so out of that tour, uh, we came together in Florence just before uh, ninth annual Creating a Climate uh, for Change conference, brought together the organizers, and we sat down and put together a theory of change and a strategy for 2019 and 2020. And so part of that strategy was saying, how do we, how do we push, uh, community based climate solutions and also come and brief, uh, legislators on the, on the federal level, on the state level, and then also, um, have things like renewable energy initiatives on, on the local level. So Congressman McEachin was kind enough when he heard about the work that, uh, we're doing to, um, have us, uh, come to DC and do two briefings. And so we started off, um, this morning with the press conference at the National Press Club. We brought approximately 20 people with us from across the Southeast who came to D.C. on uh, Dr. King's birthday to say climate change, environmental justice, all the civil rights and human rights issues of our time. And because of things like the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Report, the National Climate Assessment, we know that we have approximately 12 years to get on a serious course to reduce emissions by 45% carbon emissions. Otherwise, we will reach the tipping point. And the, the reports read like uh, a science fiction horror story. Otherwise, in the next century, we're going to look at coastal cities around the world underwater. Eventually, 
people below the equator, their land will become uninhabitable. So we don't have any time to spare. And so we came to Washington, like Dr. King did on his 90th birthday, to say the time for action is now, that we can no longer dilly-dally with transitory solutions, greenwashing, all of these things where folks say, well, let's let's try this. We're not ready to move to 100% renewable, et cetera. The time to move is, is now. And so we lifted up a bunch of what we call community-based climate solutions, because even though we have our good friend here, the congressman and others fighting the fight, we cannot, with only 12 years, wait for policymakers to come up with all the answers, for utilities to see the light, for agencies to do what they need to do. But we have to start moving the ball on the ground because human lives are at stake. Communities will be lost mm -hmm. and our entire planet is in peril. So, Reverend Woodbury, I, I want to thank you and say again what, what it was called again for people who were tuning in. The Justice First campaign. So I want to just come back to that because it's interesting that it's not the Green First campaign or the Climate First campaign, but the Justice First campaign. And I want to thank you very much and Congressman McEachin. Both of you have been just amazing ambassadors on this. Let me just say this, though, why this is such an important piece, why I appreciate what you're doing. As many of you know, I'm from Louisiana. My parents are both from the island of Trinidad and Tobago, but I was born in Louisiana. And many friends and families went through Hurricane Katrina. And so for me, I saw firsthand, particularly people of color, who were left behind in the richest country in the world. And I saw that when the storm came through, that many folks in this movement came by afterwards to talk about the devastation of Katrina. But then after the next storm came through, which then Antonique, who actually is a Superstorm Sandy survivor, went there, they moved on. But the impacts for our community uh, the indigenous community, and shout out to the indigenous march, which is happening here in D.C. on Friday. But I just want to ask you, because you mentioned justice. Is there a justice problem in the climate movement? Absolutely, there's, so there's a explain problem. Explain that. Look, because and we have to really be careful about replicating models of, of injustice, even as we move forward. And so it's it's great to, for example, move towards renewables. But if we're only going to focus on having solar and renewable energy uh, for municipal buildings and universities and those places with large carbon footprints, if we're going to willy-nilly connect environmental justice community to uh, community-shared solar farms and people live in homes that are energy inefficient, they're still heating and cooling the outdoors, they're still spending a disproportionate amount of their income on energy costs. They're still having their electricity disconnected. They're still burning wood in rural areas. They're still using kerosene heaters that can tip over in the winter and mm. cause fire and injury and mm. death. That means that there is no justice, even in the climate justice movement, even when we're moving towards uh, becoming more renewable if we are not dealing with justice for everyone, particularly those communities who have been left behind, because we can create an energy divide just like we did with the digital divide. Amen. And so we have to really be vigilant on how we move forward and make sure that we're not doing a harm even while we're celebrating our victories. Mm. So wait a minute, Reverend, are you talking about a 21st century paradigm instead of operating from a 20th century paradigm? Absolutely, positively. That, that's what we're talking about. That's why, you know, when I talk about false transit, uh, transitory solutions like capping and trade and those sorts of things, you know, we have to be really clear. You know, we have the technology. We have the solution. We need to move towards renewables and get off of fossil fuels. And anyone who says otherwise, that's the equivalent of saying 
We don't want to lose money in the buggy whip industry, so we don't want to support automobiles. <laughs> All right. We're giving y'all a master's class real quick. No, no, no. Just go ahead, Rev. No, I just want to follow up with Cosmo Keechan on this because Cosmo Keechan on this issue, being in Congress and being a person of color in Congress. I had a conversation a couple of years ago um, with both Barbara Lee and Maxine Waters who came to me and said, Rev, you know, many People of color are phenomenal on the issue of climate. And then the LCV, who you mentioned, did actually did a, a scorecard just on the Hispanic caucus, the caucuses of color, the Congressional Black Caucus and the Asian Islander Pacific Caucus and, and, and the like. And so they show that they had the highest number. But even with that being said, a lot of times when people are looking for people to put forth as spokespeople, to discuss the issues of climate or climate champions, I'm not seeing those same members being lifted up or the investment being put to them. How can we change that paradigm? Because I would say a lot of people of color who are in Congress who are now climate champions should be lifted up. What can we do to make that happen? I think there are two answers to that. It's certainly grassroots organizations like the Hip Hop Caucus and uh, Reverend Woodbury's groups can lift up those members. But at the same time, I would challenge my colleagues that they have to assert themselves into mm -hmm. the conversation. Um, you can't expect just because you've got a 100% voting record to be asked to do stuff. You have to demand to do some stuff, right? Didn't Frederick Douglass tell us that power concedes nothing without That's a demand? Right. It mm -hmm. never has and never That's will. Right. And so we have to demand to be part of the conversation. And I think my colleagues are prepared to do that. But, you know, they've got a lot of things, you know, distracting them with the various committee assignments. And I just feel so blessed to have the committee assignment that I have that allows me to make those demands and to be aggressive and insert myself into the conversation. Yeah. And just let me add one thing real quick, Rev. If we're going to really, truly win on environmental justice, that means that it has to be codified, institutionalized, anchored on Capitol Hill and in state houses. You know, I've talked about recently us having a select committee on environmental justice, but it's as equally important with the committee that the congressman is now sitting on and a number of the other ones to begin to build that language, those tied to the resources and staffing on this issue. Or folks will continue to, well, we just did this. Let's put an environmental justice, you know, some language Ooh. here or, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get back to that after we've already done some other priority settings. So it's a part of what we have to do. And it may come in lots of different forms and fashions, right. but we got to have this Ooh. in place so that when someone looks back five years from now, they see environmental justice in big, bold letters, along with all these other issues that we have to work on. So Ooh. smart people like the congressman and others will be working to, to make sure Ooh. that that happens. I know that's right. And right. smart, even though he went to another seminary that wasn't <laughs> Howard University School of Divinity. <laughs> and we're going to give him credit. But I, I can hear Anthony say, hold up, Rev. Hold up, Rev. Hold, Hold up. up. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Miss. Go ahead, Miss Smith. Yes, sir. Thank you for sending it back to me because this would not be the coolest show on climate change if we didn't talk about what keeps our guests motivated mm. for the fight on these issues. So, can you guys share with our Think 100 enthusiasts what's your go-to artist or song right now that keeps you going? You know, I feel like I'm talking to three revens right now, and I, I actually am. <laughs> so I guess it could be from any genre. It could be gospel, the hip hop, or anything y'all feeling. But tell me, what, what keeps you? What keeps you going? All right, what's your go-to song? My go-to song is "Hallelujah, Salvation, and Glory." Uh, the, the Stephen Heard version of it. Uh, all right. That just, oh, that just, man. I grew down, up singing that in church. That. Yes, indeed. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes. And, and Anthony, he leaned back in his chair on that one, too. Okay. <laughs> chair leaned back. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Go ahead, Rev. I know you got um, something for it. Well, you know, my I, mine actually changes, you know, depending with, with different situations. And right now, I'm, you know what I'm feeling right now, and I, and I actually play it sometimes um, when I'm in the in my pastor's study before we have service on Sunday, mm -hmm. right now I'm feeling pink. What about us? Okay. Okay. Oh, All right. Yeah. What about us? Pink is dope. Mm -hmm. So that us? means that I pass by the pastor's studio 
I'm going to hear Pink That's blasting right. out. That's right. <laughs> Reverend Woodman said he relevant. That's right. What, <laughs> and what righteous. And real. What about all your plans that ended in disaster? Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about us? Man, well, listen, I want to thank our amazing guest for being on this show. And thank everyone for continuing to make Think 100% the coolest show on climate change. I just wanted to say this in conclusion, something that Mustafa brought up that was important because I think, you know, a select committee or an emphasis on environmental justice is something that we need to have. I thank Reverend Woodbury for making sure that we understand that we have to continue to be in the streets and continue to go out there amongst the people. And I thank Councilman Keechan for definitely making sure that he has inserted himself into this conversation. And you didn't say the committee, Councilman Keechan, that you were on. Just make sure people know what that is. Energy and Commerce Committee. And I have gotten the Energy Subcommittee, the Telecom Subcommittee, and the Environmental Subcommittee. So I'm very happy and ready to go to work. Right. Oh, man. Thank you so awesome. much. And everybody, remember that this show isn't possible without your support. So please donate at think100.info and be sure to follow us at think100show on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, and you can tune in again on the radio next week. We're on at 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday at WPFWFM.org. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to listen to past episodes. And all of this is at think100.info. And now let's close the show on a powerful note with our incredible Grammy-nominated co-host, Antonique Smith. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at Think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100, think 100, think 100.